All right, welcome to a brand new episode of Sunday Sauce. We're back after the holidays. Happy New Year. I'm here with Joe Borelli, Mr. Staten Island himself, the minority speaker in city council, a Republican, the few Republicans in city council. Joe, welcome to Sunday Sauce. Introduce yourself, please. Joe Borelli, Staten Island. I mean, you said it all. Um, but good news is we grew our conference from having only three Republicans to now we have uh, five Republicans at City Hall. So it's uh, at least five people, though it probably comes out to be seven or eight out of 51 uh, who aren't so crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty. I mean, it's it's pretty nuts now. Um, I mean, I'm only 32. I don't know. I, obviously, you're not that much older than me, but. I, how about in the? You look in, terrible. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, you know, and it's the gray hair, man. I know. Uh, in the Giuliani days, were there was there a lot of Republicans in city council, or was it always Democrats? The Do you know? Had, well, yeah, the most we ever had was seven. Okay. Um, seven out of fifty-one, and then the least we've ever had was one. Wow. Uh, and it was the person who represented my seat uh, in like nineteen eighty-nine. 1989, there was only one, and I believe Dinkins was the mayor then, right? Yes, correct, correct. Yes. So while we're on the subject of Dinkins, uh, you know, I contacted you like a couple of weeks ago. We were going to talk about Mayor de Blasio's, thank God he's gone. I mean, just thank God, about his failures of his eight-year term. But um, the political gods gave us a layup today, and uh, your office actually got emails. Um, you try to get COVID tests for your for Staten Island because – you know, that's what a good city council member does. He takes care of his his area and a congressman and a senator or whatever. And um, you found out that uh, Mayor de Blasio's office was distributing life-saving medication and COVID tests based on race and social status, which is pretty crazy because last time I checked, even in every race, there's, un, um, there's underprivileged people. It just doesn't have to do with minorities, right? Am I wrong? There's two parts to this. The first part is um, a directive from the city and from the state departments of health to physicians saying that they must consider race when prescribing uh, both oral treatments and uh, monoclonal antibody treatments for people. So the theory being that there's a short supply of the oral uh, treatment going now, and we're just starting to get doses. Um, so it's, it's gonna be in short supply for a period of time. And physicians should be responsible for uh, determining whether these people meet the right racial rubric because of historic whatevers and uh, you know systemic that what that knots and whatever is like a whole a whole bunch of nonsense right so mm -hmm. because all this stuff uh, physicians are not supposed to prescribe based on a whole bunch of other factors but consider race so I actually found out that part from my primary care doctor who also happens to be a a, a resident physician at a nursing home who was basically like, what the heck are they talking about? Like, like this is unprecedented. Like, there's there's tons of great reasons to deny treating someone with a particular drug, like based on specific criteria and, you know, whether they, their survivability and like all these things that we would consider pretty normal reasons to not give someone a drug in a short supply. Right. There's never been one of them. In fact, you look at the American Medical Association, their ethics guide for doctors says exactly the opposite. Like, you cannot treat race uh, as a, a factor. Well, I mean, I'll tell you right now, as a as a former FDNY EMT for five years, we have a whole book of protocols to give albuterol, epinephrine, all these kinds of things, and not one of them states race. It has to do with uh, underlying conditions, age, weight, 
None of thing has to do with race. More of the point, right? So like, <laughs> right. If you, if you would see somebody suffering from some treatment, some some problem, mm. and say like, oh, that person's probably a drug addict. That person's probably uh, poor. That person's probably some reason why you shouldn't prescribe some narcotic drug. Like you're actually violating your medical ethics guy from the American Medical Association. You're actually not supposed to view race as a condition under any circumstances, because there was a historic treatment of people of certain races uh, where doctors felt like they were sort of um, more prone to drug abuse, more prone to alcohol abuse, and it was a problem. So like the, the American Medical Association said, you can't do this at all. Governor Kathy Hochul and Mayor de Blasio just took that, crumbled it up, threw it right out the window. So the second part of this all is, is the, the uh, offering of testing and uh, test kits, like testing sites and test kits. Right. So the mayor's office teamed up with a task force, the task force on racial inclusion and equity. So something that has nothing to do with COVID. <laughs> they made a task force about race and ethnicity, and then they decided to use the community groups that they partner with mm-hmm. to, um, to, to uh, solely distribute test kits and testing sites. Now, again, this is one of those things where like, like, this didn't have to be bad, right? You can look at vaccine rates in African-Americans and other groups and say, well, okay, you have a task force. You're trying to expand access for people uh, who may not have a primary care doctor. Like there, there's a lot of poverty around our city and, and a lot of people don't have primary care doctors. And there's right. nothing wrong with having a, a task force on racial uh, inclusion and ethnicity, whatever, whatever it's called. No, no, nothing of course. Wrong. Of course there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, because you want to reach out. You want to reach out to the to the people who who don't have um, you know, any doctor. Like it's it's there's nothing wrong with that at all. But but what it is is what's wrong is you're making COVID about race. It's not that's I, that's I, you're saying when, when, yeah. when COVID cases rise in a particular neighborhood, right? And you're saying like, okay, we, we have COVID cases rising. We have uh, a whole bunch of people trying to pack into the one testing site in on the South Shore. Mm-hmm. Can we get more sites? And the response is, no, you're not in the racial inclusion and equity zone. So we don't really have any nonprofit partners that can partner with you to do that. So we have a Models and empty vacant Models next to my office. We said, well, we could just, you know, our landlord said we could use the Models temporarily. Uh, in fact, we did it ourselves. We we have a, a friend who runs a charity called Blue Lives Matter NYC. Great. I- I actually met him um, at the party we met at at the Newsmax party. His, his name is Joe, also, right? Is that his name? Robert Baloney boobs, right? You know, you can, you can yeah. call him that, right? I hope, hope, hope it doesn't meet the censors on on the channel. No, we have we have no censors here. Say whatever you want. I would call him Joe Baloney, <laughs> another derogatory way of saying it. But God bless Joey. But this is a guy who I bust his chops all the time. But when mm-hmm. the community needs something, he actually goes out and does it. So right. this guy contracted with a private PCR test provider. And at first did it for, for first responders. That That's the primary reason that his charity exists, mm-hmm. first responders. And then when there was just no lines, he opened it up to everybody. So we, we actually ended up getting PCR tests at my office through him, not even through the government. Right. But their response was, you can't, you can't partner with the nonprofit because you're not in this racial equity inclusion zone. And they thought I was just going to say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah sure. I guess I'll just go after myself and sit here and let people yell at me all day, right? Like, you think I'm going to let my constituents yell at me for not having more testing site when you basically told us we can't have a testing site because we don't meet some racist rubric you've made up? Like, no, no, I'm going to go right to the post. Fun fact, Tucker Carlson didn't pass up on the story. Why? I don't know. I don't know. And uh, the first story was actually on Newsmax with Rob Schmidt. 
uh, and that was about the medical uh, physician guide stuff. Do you think, let me ask you a question. We all know Mayor the uh, former now, Mayor de Blasio, he hates Staten Island, right? Do you, do you, we, we all know he hates Staten Island. He put 75 uh, speeding cameras on Highland Boulevard. He changed the speed limit, whatever. No one votes for him in Staten Island. Do you think like this is kind of like his last fuck you to Staten Island? Like we're not going to send you any tests. Do you think maybe nope. something like that? Nope, because it is um, the same in other boroughs. Mm-hmm. Other boroughs like, um, for example, Queens, the other person cited in the New York Post article was Rob Holden, who has a predominantly white district in Middle Village, Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they basically told him at the outset, well, we can't really do it. We're doing this racial equity zone thing. But for him, you know, the geography of Queens is different than the geography of Staten Island. Right. We're less dense, so we're bigger districts. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he still had a testing site that was maybe a mile away. It wasn't in his neighborhood. But right. it was still a mile away. We had one for like, you know, 12, 13 square miles. The 123 precinct is bigger than the entire uh, patrol borough of Manhattan North. Uh, and so it's like, you know, it, and they probably had two dozen testing sites, if, right. not, more, if not more. And, and the density justifies that. But to say we don't have, we don't get any other than Wolf's Pond was, was just insane. How, how hard is it? Uh, you, you've been a council member for since 2015, right? Yep. So that's nearly as long as de Blasio has been, been mayor, how hard is it to work with this man? Like, tell me, I need to know. In a strange metaphysical plane, I get along with Bill de Blasio pretty well. Really? Uh, yeah. And uh, I give him credit in the sense that I go on TV and in the newspapers and on radio and bash the guy relentlessly. Um, but the few times where I had to call and say, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a handicapped child who needs to be in this school, not that school. Uh, takes care of it. Um, hmm. There's some little issue that 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 he can help someone. He does that. So I, I I will I will say it's easy to say that now that he's not in office, you know, and be a little nostalgic about about some of the good things about Bill De Blasio. Mm-hmm. That's really it. I mean, you know, but, his mayoralty was a disaster for for not just Staten Island but New York City. Right. But what see those little things he could do. But when it comes to when I when I was in FDNY EMT, we couldn't get a fucking raise. We were making 33000 Top pay was 45000 50000 He couldn't get that done. He couldn't get homelessness under control. He couldn't pay cops. He couldn't give five. Like, look, on the race stuff, you know, there's always two sides to every story. Um, this is all done through collective bargaining with, with the Office of Labor Relations. So, right. like, the mayor has almost no input on contract negotiations. But all. but he went on record saying he does he went on record saying about FDNY EMS that that their job is different. He literally doesn't know shit about FDNY EMS. He doesn't know what we do. He doesn't know that we're the busiest, uh, the busiest city agency in the city. I mean, let's be honest. I I'm not taking away from firemen. Their job is hard. They do they, but there's not that many fires anymore. There's there's not nine. FDNY is ninety percent EMS now, and. The next mayor, Mayor Adams, needs to notice this, and he needs to start stepping up and uh, recognizing that EMS is very important in this city because for eight years, Bill de Blasio just treated us like shit, and he was very outspoken about it, just as he was with NYPD. Well, there's a there's a, a, a theme now that it seems that well, there's a push now on the council to split up and give the FDNY the divorce that probably should have happened a few years after the two agencies were married a couple of, you know, a couple of decades ago, under mm-hmm. Rudy Giuliani. 
it, it sort of it, it sort of passed its life expectancy. Well, that 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 marriage only happened was because Giuliani saved jobs. That's the only reason why that happened. So well, I think I think that 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 um, passed its its shelf life, but. It, I mean, there's some some guys. The department's very split on it. It's very it's really 50-50 because you know if if you take away EMS from fire now, a lot of firehouses are going to close because you know in Manhattan there's there's a lot of firehouses that just do EMS runs all day. They don't. There's not a lot. Of, like I said, there's not a lot of fires anymore. Right. The challenge is is filling the FDNY personnel with a duty that makes them relevant. Um, 24 hours a day while still giving us the capacity to respond to emergencies quickly um, when they do occasionally happen. I mean, that's, that's the challenge. But, uh, but around the country, like you go to LA, you go to other major cities, not Boston, Chicago, but like, you know, everywhere else, you have to be an, a firefighter EMT. You have to be an EMT to be a firefighter. That's like a requirement here. It's the opposite. You go be an EMT, then you do two years and you get a promotion, you know, <laughs> a lot of people it all, depends on, it all depends on really how old the city is so like like, like you pointed out boston chicago have a different model right uh, because their fire companies were established you know well before the idea of even having private uh, public ambulances right when you go to a city like san diego uh and and you, you see the city was built on a, on a blank slate mm-hmm. in the desert um they have a different model where they where they just have large fire stations where not only do you have an engine and a ladder company, but you also have a number of ambulances mm-hmm. and sort of everyone works together as one. That's just never going to operate in New York city where we can't just clear blocks of buildings to put no. large fire stations. We're basically stuck um, with the footprint of the firehouses we have now. Now the challenge we have is finding places for uh, uh, EMS to have facilities, um, especially in the higher density parts of Manhattan uh, and the Bronx. I mean, we, we've been pushing for one at Hudson Yards. Um, not That's, only a firehouse. That was my old area. That's my old area. Yep. And the EMS station. Um, mm-hmm. It should have been cut in the deal that was done to, to build Hudson Yards. I mean, there are, you know, 100,000 new people per day uh, in those buildings that didn't exist 10 years ago. And those 100,000 people are going to have, you know, heart attacks, choke on bologna sandwiches, have small emergencies that mm-hmm. are going to need response of all these these different services and they're just a drain on on the uh the existing ones right so when i was uh a couple of years ago i remember they had a conversation about putting my station uh in chelsea and rescue one actually together on the west side highway like a big brand new station so they can they could respond to the hudson yards that was the whole but i guess that was rejected in the budget whenever that was. Yeah, the, the, we, we could never get funding for it. I mean, it's, it's an expensive proposition. Um, you can't just put a, a uh, firehouse inside an existing building that's not that's not already made for it just because of the HVAC units you'd need to, to uh, vent the, right. the engines, engines and the trucks. Out. Right, right. And you the ambulance. run that through the, the building itself. So it's like, it, you know, it, it was something that, that there was some thoughtful consideration of it. Um, there was some thought about putting it under the um, the uh, overpasses over there as well. Mm-hmm. Which might have been a better solution. And I think that's the one that they would consider. At some point, funding will become available for this, and it'll happen. Right. So, what do you think about Eric Adams? Do you know him personally? You ever met him? Did he? Do you know, is he a nice guy? I don't know him, so I yeah, can't. Yeah, I'm optimistic. You know, I mean, if we can go back to fighting over plastic straws and plastic bags and and bullshit like that, uh, the city will be in a much better place. I mean. 
you know, he came in, he said two things. We're going to restore anti-crime units, you know, plainclothes policing, uh, people who in another world, like you would buy these men and women beers for going and wrestling. Of course, of course. Humans. Right here is where we villainize them. Uh, so he's going to restore those units. And he's talking about bringing back punitive segregation on Rikers Island. There's correction officers, there's other inmates getting slashed, stabbed and beaten all the time with more frequency uh, now with only, you know, 4,000 inmates than we had at a time when we had 8,000 inmates. So it's insane. The numbers are staggering. Right. To not have any type of solitary confinement or way to segregate people from the general population, it, it, it's criminal. So, right. um, And he got some heat from that from these wacky lefties. And, and when I say wacky lefties, I mean 30 of 51 members of the council signed a letter saying, uh, Mayor Adams, like, you shouldn't do this. Wow. Speaking of wacky lefties, what about what do you think about AOC talking all that shit about Governor DeSantis and then going to Florida having a party? I mean, first of all, what, what an awful person! Like, like, you, like her job is to criticize the other side, right? So, like, you she should be criticizing Ron DeSantis. That that's that's not above the. That's no, not, course, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, whatever. But like, don't go to the free state of Florida, right? Enjoy yourself, have a great time. Criticize Ron DeSantis when your state is seeing the worst case numbers, not only in the United States of America, but almost in the entire world. Your area is currently the worst COVID response happening live, and you're in Florida where things are going much better, and criticizing the guy there. It's to say, to say he wasn't being seen publicly when he was with his wife getting cancer treatment, right? Once she learned that, she probably should have just pumped the brakes and said, okay, I didn't know. Sorry. You know, I apologize. Mm -hmm. No, and then she made it sexual. Yeah, apparently everybody wants to hook up with her, right? That's why. Imagine being so ridiculously good looking. Oh, so like, good looking. The only way like someone could could even criticize you is because they're just so jealous of how good looking you are. I have that problem. I try to keep it, you know, locked up in a drawer. Uh, I, you know, I I know where most of the criticism comes. It's 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 from my looks. I mean, you can see my guns from there. Um, so I I, I empathize with her on that. It's, it's tough to be that desirable. I mean, hey, listen, man, you're, you're the you're the councilman of Staten Island. Who doesn't want you, right? That's it. I'm a sex symbol for the South Shore. <laughs> right, of course. Now, I have to ask, since I'm in Bay Ridge, I got to ask, are, are you and Justin Brennan's bromance? People are asking me, they told me to ask you, why couldn't you, uh, why couldn't you endorse Brian Fox? I just had him on my show a couple of weeks yeah, I ago. Know, I, I never met him. I met him once at a rally. People just wanted to know. I don't know why. I just need to ask you. People are asking me. Yeah, I, I know they, they abuse you on Twitter. I, I don't know. I just need to know for myself. I, I don't know. Um, so apparently people abuse me on Twitter. That's, that's something I didn't know. I don't. I, so yeah. if, people, if, if people criticize me on Twitter, I usually mute them. So they're, they're, well, they're probably all talking in circles. Yeah. I don't know, Brian Fox. Every mm -hmm. candidate who I endorsed called me, set up a meeting, mm -hmm. sat down with me, explained their plan. Explain why they were running. Explain who they were running against and why. I don't know the guy, so I mean, I'm I'm not. I don't blanket endorse anybody who's right. Republican for the sake of it. No, of course. Uh, so why? I, I don't understand. I, I I I'll never understand the pushback of not endorsing someone when they never asked for my endorsement or took the time to reach out to me. Oh, I don't know. Also, by the way, I ran probably seven times in the last seven years. I've mm. never seen Brian Fox at a Joe Borelli event. I've never seen anyone like that. So I mean, I, I owe nothing to nobody. It's, it's a fair, it's a fair answer. I just a lot of these people in Bay Ridge are actually solely blaming you and other Republicans who didn't 
uh, endorse him and they're, you know, saying your friendship. Imagine, imagine running such a shitty campaign that the only reason you could, you think you lost is because of other people who had nothing to do with the campaign. Uh, I, I interviewed the guy. I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't even know the details of it. I know it was close, obviously. It was, yeah, it was very close. I, I interviewed him. He's a, he's a nice guy. I never met him in person. Like he's, he's a very nice guy, has very traditional like Republican values. Unfortunately, he was branded a white supremacist and this and that bullshit. Like, yeah, I, I, I he doesn't seem like a white supremacist to me. I never heard about it. I never heard of these things. But uh, a lot of a lot of these Republicans here said your your friendship with Justin Brennan sunk the Brian Fox campaign. I, I don't know. I'll make, I'll make this very clear. I genuinely spend no time per day worrying about what people in Bay Ridge are saying about me. I'm sure that's, you don't even cross the bridge. You told me, I remember this. You say you don't, I don't even come. Yeah, I don't even leave the South Shore if I can. Although I'm trying to think in Bay Ridge, where do I eat? I eat at a couple of places in Bay Ridge. Some good places there. Uh, this, this, Positano's good. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, Positano. I, I know the owner. He's a nice guy. Pa- Ponte Vecchio's good. Ponte Vecchio, old school place. I mean, that, that's very good. Uh, for a long time. Yeah. I used to like, uh, in, close to the Dica, uh, uh La Sorrentina. Very that's good. good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, oh, it might be closed. I'm not sure yeah, I think it's there. They're all there's a lot of places that are gone here. I mean, they opened up Bocce here. Well, you guys have that in Staten Island, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We and you guys it. got Campania there. We got that here, you know. So I, I kind of understand why you don't come to the ridge. It's okay. There's also there's also some good like um I'm trying to think the Greek food. We have a lot of Greek food here. A lot of good Greek food there. I think right. I had something. I think there was like a Middle Eastern place I ate at one time. Really good. Oh, we have plenty of that. Plenty yeah, of that. Things, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, Joe, I appreciate your time. Where can we find the great Joe Borelli? Where Where can we find him? On, on Twitter, Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Is it just at Joe Borelli? At Joe Borelli NYC. That's it? That's it, man. That's it. Wow. At Joe Borelli NYC. Easy peasy. Wow. Awesome, man. All right. Well, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the Sunday Sauce. And uh, hopefully you go higher in the government. Nope, nope, nope. I'll be four years and I'm done, man. You're done? That's it? I'm burned out. I'm going to, you know, we'll we'll, we'll push hard for the next four years. Uh, We have a by-election, you know, in in two years where Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's up for re-election again. Uh, I'm not, I'm not concerned. I I want, I think my opponent spent more money money than me last time and and I got 85% of the vote. So um, in fact, I got more votes than every other member of the council. Wow. of raw votes so and probably like some of them i got more than like five times them wow it's pretty so you're just that's it after this we're done no i like like, i I love staten island i mean i'm sure i'll always be doing something related to politics and government um Mm -hmm. hopefully making staten island a better place um but you know, you don't have to be in elective office to feel uh, fulfilled and stuff like that. So there's, there's tons of interesting most of stuff. my family's on Staten Island, man. So I, whatever you do, I appreciate it, man. You're doing a great job. Everyone speaks yeah. highly of you. And uh, I appreciate you coming on. So thank you.